Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. How do I? I'll skip ahead a bit. No, I can't skip ahead. All, all right, everybody, into the time machine. No, 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 no! You don't understand how radio works. All I have to do to return this is fade my voice out like this and cue the organist. You see, here we are. Wait a minute. 63 Audio presents the Old Time Radio Essentials Podcast. <laughs> Greetings all who gather here and welcome back to Season 4 of Old Time Radio Essentials. If this is your first time joining us, and even if it ain't, I must inform you that this is Episode 40, also known as our fifth episode of 2023, a.k.a. Episode 3, of season four. My name is Pete. I'm Paul. And this is Pat. Now, I know it's been a while since you heard from us here at Old Time Radio Essentials, but honestly, nobody seemed to be complaining. I, quite frankly, was stunned by the silence, guys. This is no surprise, Paulie, as I have heard from a reliable source that it doesn't take much to stun you. But if you come right down to it, if anybody is to blame for this lengthy hiatus, it's me. Well, I knew it wasn't me. I mean, I, I just got here, comparatively speaking. That's true, Pat. And I hope you haven't suffered much from not being with Paul and me uh, on the show. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, what do you mean? Don't take much to stun me. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute, pal. First and briefly, since our last episode, I've had a lot of projects on my plate and wanted to concentrate solely on those. Uh, yeah, I was in a few of those, as I recall. I wasn't. <laughs> well, don't worry. I've got you <laughs> slated for a few roles in the new year. Oh, splendid, splendid. And they better be big ones is all I can say. <clears throat> but I think we've digressed enough. Yes, of course. Back to business. Today, we bring you our fourth annual Christmas episode, and it just so happens to be Paul's pick. Paul, tell us, dear boy, what are you bringing us today? It's an episode of the long-running series, Nick Carter, Master Detective. This one is called Nick Carter's Christmas Adventure and aired on Mutual Broadcasting System on Christmas Day, 1943. Now, the character of Nick Carter started out in a series of dime novels in 1886 and proved to be extremely popular worldwide. The first film featuring him was made in France in 1908, a long time ago. Now... Carter moved from dime novels to comic strips to Pulp Fiction magazines, then back to novels, then radio, more movies and television. Nick Carter, Master Detective, aired exclusively on Mutual from 1943 to 1955. Actor Lon Clark played the detective during the show's run. So now, without further delay, we present Nick Carter, Master Detective. Nick Carter's Christmas Adventure from December 25th, 1943. And now, friends, 
Adjust your radio dials to the proper frequency, get comfortable, and listen. Yes, it's another case for that most famous of all manhunters, the detective whose ability at solving crime is unequaled in the history of detective fiction. Nick Carter, Master Detective. Tonight's curious adventure... A special Christmas story. Nick Carter's Christmas Adventure. Or the mystery of the reluctant contributor. Well, Nick, we've been pretty lucky so far, haven't we? Yes, Gubby, we have. Which is another way of saying that folks are usually willing to contribute to your settlement house Christmas party every year, Nick. You know, Shelby, I was just thinking about this last name on our list. Yeah? Rasper. I don't know him personally. You? No, I don't, but somebody must have thought he was rich enough or interested enough in the work to make a substantial contribution. Oh, here's the... Hey, is this... Hey, Nick, what's that address again? 576 Milton Avenue. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And there's his name on the door plate. Well, let's take a look, Scubby. Well, gosh, this doesn't make sense, Nick. A guy with dough doesn't hide away in a place like this. Well, knock on the door anyhow. Sure. Doesn't seem to be anybody here. Nick. No, hold this, Scotty. I hear someone coming. Who is it? I'm Nicholas Carter. May I speak to Mr. Rasper, please? Nick Carter, eh? Yes, yes. And this is my assistant, Scubby Wilson. How do you do? Uh, you, Mr. Rasper? Yes. Well, come in, come in. It's cold out there. You're letting all the heat out. Oh, beg your pardon. Come on, Scubby. Yeah. I'm in, Nick. I'm in. Well, what was it you wanted? Oh, well, Mr. Rasper, I've come to see if you would care to make a contribution to my Christmas party fund. I never make contributions. Oh, but you didn't let Nick finish, sir. The fund provides food and extra clothing for the needy and deserving the children. The charity department's still working, isn't it? Well, of course, Mr. Rasper, but my object is to provide an inspiration for the young people who are underprivileged. People who haven't got any money are always trying to get it from those who have. Then you aren't interested in seeing that the children of the Lincoln Hall District are helped to a little happiness on Christmas Day? No, I'm not. Christmas is old-fashioned. I don't believe in it. A waste of money and time. Good day. Oh, well, Mr. Rasper, it's always been a lot of fun for me personally. But I must say that I've always felt better for celebrating it. And I'm inclined to agree with Scotty, Mr. Rasper. Christmas has always been a bright spot in my life. And I feel sure that if you knew the good it has done throughout the world, it'd make you change your mind. Rubbish. Well, in any case, a Merry Christmas to you. Good day to you. Merry Christmas, indeed. A lot of nonsense... Come on, Nick. Let's get back to civilization. You know, Scubby, that man's wealthy. No doubt about that. And yet he's soured on Christmas. And everything that it stands for. <laughs> you said our mouthful, Dick. You know, Scubby, there must be reason why he thinks that way. And I'd like to find out what it is. Yeah, but you haven't anything to work on, Nick. Oh, no, Scubby, I haven't. Not yet. But look here. I can finish up whatever has to be done this afternoon. Suppose you hop down to the newspaper office and go yeah. through the files there. There might just be something we could learn about Rasper that way. Okay, Nick, I'll be glad to. Then I'll have Riley check through the files at headquarters. It's a long shot, but something might turn up. Sure, maybe Patsy has run into something while she's been working down at the settlement house. She might know somebody who knows something about Rasper. Yeah, she might have that. I'll ask her about it. Okay. And maybe with all of us working together on it, we may learn why Rasper's so dead set against Christmas. I'd certainly like to find out. Junik. Uh, Riley talking. I've been through my files here, and I can't find anything charged against the man named Ben Rasper. 
Oh, he, he was licensed to do business with a man named Howard Lowe, but Lowe died some years ago. Otherwise, Rasper is just a successful businessman. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, Nick. There's an old fellow named Fred Anderson who used to be on the force who knows Rasper. Sure, uh, you can find him at uh, Lincoln Hall where you're giving the party. Oh, he, he's the watchman there now. Okay, Nick, that's all right. Uh, see you tomorrow. Hello, hello. Oh, yes, Cubby? Oh, you did, huh? Of course, Amora. Huh? Well, well. What was that name again? Chris Baum. Why, yes, yes, I recall. Oh, no, I'll be there in about an hour, so I want to call Pat's first. Right. And thanks, Cubby. Bye. Hey, Patsy? How's everything, huh? Oh, fine. I'm coming down to the hall. Is there anything you want me to bring along? Uh-huh. Why, sure, I can do that. But will that be enough, though? Okay. Yeah, yeah, Scubby just called. Oh, he found out something about Rasper. What? You did, too. How old is he? Named Jimmy, huh? And he's coming to our party? Oh, fine, fine, fancy. Okay, I'll see you in a little while. Bye. Oh, that's fine. We've collected enough to do this year's party up right. Now let's get organized. Riley, huh? your job will be to get the kids and the needy persons rounded up. Oh, sure, Nick. I'll take care of it. I got your lists and the list from the social worker and from the church down there. And there are plenty of others who'll need a lift this year, believe me. I know it, Riley, and I'll depend on you. Scubby, it's your job to see that the tree and decorations and gifts are taken care of. Don't worry, Nick. Decorating is my middle name. I'll make Lincoln Hall look like a million dollars in cash. <laughs> good boy, good boy. And Patsy, hmm? you'll see to it that there's plenty to eat and drink for the party, so I won't have to worry about that. I'll take care of the bills, and you have the letters the credit stores gave us. You know how to do that. Sure thing, Nick. Good. I've been through it with you often enough before. I ought to know what you want by this time. Uh, well, what are you going to be doing, Nick? Me? Well, Riley, I'm going to do a little detecting. I'm going to look into those tips you, Patsy, and Scubby gave me about those people who know Ben Rasper. And by the time I'm through, I hope to find out why it is that he hates Christmas the way he does. And then, well, then, maybe I'll be able to do something about it. This is Rasper talking. Yes? I sent you the bell, didn't I? Well, what if it is you on the 27th? No, just because it's a holiday, no tell reason for a bill to be unpaid. Ah, goodbye. Darn fool nonsense, that's what it is. There's a lot of foolish... Still talking big, ain't you, Rasper? Well, who's there? What do you want? Don't you remember me, Rasper? No, I don't remember you. Who are you? They used to call me the kid. Chris the Kid. Chris, sometimes known as the human flesh. Chris, you. Oh. Well, it's been a long time, Rasper, hasn't it? Uh, how'd you find me? Who sent you here? A fellow named Nick Carter told me I'd find you here in your office, even if it is Christmas Eve. Nick Carter? Oh, yes. Wanted me to give him some money for some fool party. Oh, for the party at Lincoln Hall, I guess. Ace never asked me for anything. Just gave me what I needed. When I needed it. Ah, 
So he hired you to come here and take up my no, time no, to get... No, he didn't send me here. Just said I'd find you here, that's all. I came here on my own accord. To... Just to wish you a Merry Christmas. Ha! Thought you'd say that. Well, I don't mind. Because it's on account of Nick Carter that I can stand on my own feet again. Not on account of you. Watch that. You mind if I uh, sit down? It was on Christmas Eve that we won our first fight, wasn't it? Fight? Oh, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. I can remember the noise of the crowd, the glare of the lights, and the smoke curling around, and the brightness over the ring, and you leaning over me with that wet towel. You got him going, Chris. Another one like that last round, and you'll have him in the ropes for the count. How do you feel now, kid? Come on, kid, rest. Just let me out. I don't have to wait anymore. My meat right now. now. You take your orders from me, kid. I'm the brains here. When you get the signal from me, you give it to him. Okay, Vespa. You're the boss. Go ahead, kid. Stand up. Keep your shoulder high. Keep it up. I can take him. It's that. Take him, Chris. Now. There are a lot of those little affairs after that, Vespa. And I always did what I was told, huh? Yes. You're a good fighter, Chris. Good fighter. I made a lot of money for us in those fights, Vesper. Well, a lot of money. old days, Chris. Lots of water's gone under lots of bridges since then. I know. And the percentage you paid me didn't last long, either. It went just like that water. But I didn't care much about things like that. Till the day a friend of mine came and gave me a warning tip. That started me thinking. Oh, Ken, how do you feel? Oh, hello, Rasmus. Where you been? I wanted to talk to you. Oh, I've been around. What's up? I got a tip today. You're signing up Timmy O'Day. You're going to manage him. Who told you that? Never mind. Is it true? That depends. Depends on what? Look, kid, you're getting slow. O'Day's fresh. He'll be the next champ. If he wins this fight with you tonight, I'm taking him over. If I win tonight? I'm taking O'Day over anyhow. We've been together a long time, kid, and it don't pay to get in too much of a rut. So that's all it means to you, is it? Money. Payoff, huh? What about all the years we've known each other? What about the things we've been through? Why, you... No, don't... don't get yourself all in a sweat, kid. It isn't good for you. You'll get your cut anyway. Don't worry. You'll get your cut. I'll see you later. Last what I do? Tell me what to do. I can't see him. My eyes all puffed up. He's cut me to ribbons. Tell me what to do, Rasper. <laughs> Don't bother me, kid. Use your own judgment. You're on your own, as of now. But, Rasper, you always... You're on your own, kid. I can still see it sitting there in the ring corner, laughing at me. But that was the last thing I saw for a long time. Old day, sort of that. You must have coached him pretty thorough about my style. And then you really cashed in. Well, I haven't got much myself, but I'm still able to wish you a Merry Christmas, Rasper. Although I don't think you'll ever have one. Chris, I... Well, I've got some things to do, Rasper. Carter asked me to pick up some things for the party at Lincoln Hall tomorrow. We always have a swell time at Carter's Christmas parties. Too bad you can't enjoy anything like that anymore. Well, as I said before, Rasper, Merry How can a man work with his mind whirling like a merry-go-round? 
Christmas Eve. God, it's a fine excuse for people to go around yelling at each other in the streets. Disturbing a man when he wants to get some work done. Oh, I might as well close the office and get some rest. Would have been home by now if the kid, Chris, hadn't taken up so much time. What Chris does for a living now? Wonder if... Ah, that's none of my concern. Get home and get some sleep. That's what I need. Uh, who's that? I'm closing up. Come back tomorrow morning. Oh, I'm glad I got here before you left, Ben. Uh, who is it? It's Nina, Ben. Oh, Nina. I only stopped by to speak to you for a moment. It's getting quite late and uh, I... Uh... Well, sit down for a moment, Nina. Oh, thank here, you. Let me get your chair. I, uh, I suppose it's rather bold of me to come after all this time, but I... Why, no, Nina, no, I... I'm glad you did. Is there something you want? Oh, no. No, there's nothing you can do for me, Ben. Jimmy and I are doing very nicely. I just wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas. I was in the neighborhood doing some shopping for the party that Mr. Carter's giving at Lincoln Hall tomorrow, and How is I... he, Nina? Uh, Jimmy, I mean. Oh, he's fine, Ben. He's full of life and interested in everything. He has a good head on his shoulders, and he's very handsome, too. Oh, that's fine. Just fine. Uh, you're looking a little tired, Ben. Are you feeling well? Oh, uh, yes, yes, of course. I've, I've been working hard, that's all. I don't spend much time at home. Uh, not much reason to. Hmm. That's the way you wanted it, Ben. Don't you remember? Nina! Nina, where are you? Oh, Jimmy, there's Daddy. You wait here for Mommy like a good boy, won't you? Um, I'm coming, Ben. I've been keeping your dinner warm for you. I, I hope you'll... What's the matter, Ben? You look as if... That's you... nothing, Nina, nothing. I'm in a hurry, that's all. Well, you're always in a hurry, aren't you? Never have time for... Where's my dinner? Sit down, Ben. I'll... I'll have it for you right away. This plate is hot now. Be careful that you don't burn your I won't. Salt, please. Here you are, dear. Ben, when you finish, won't you take time enough out of your business to help me get the tree decorated? I know Jimmy's too young to know much about it, but I'd love to have his Christmas all ready for him in the morning. Look, I'll, I'll put him to sleep right away and then we can start. See, I have some holly and mistletoe for the fireplace and, and, and some... I won't have time for that. that, Nina. But, Ben, it's Christmas Eve. Surely you I have, have to get back to the office. I'm putting on a championship match for O'Day in January, and the things have gone haywire. Something that can't wait till tomorrow. I have to get it organized right away, that's all. Ben, this is Christmas Eve. Tomorrow will be Jimmy's first Christmas. Doesn't that mean anything to you? You and Jimmy celebrate Christmas any way you want to, Nina. I have something more important to do. Business is more important than sentiment. You certainly can see that. Yes, Ben. I can see that. I've been seeing it more and more during the last few years. I thought that when Jimmy came, maybe you were... No, I was wrong, wasn't I, Ben? You'd even let your love for business break up our home. Break up our... Oh, don't be melodramatic, Nina. I'm not being melodramatic, Ben. I'm, I'm trying to be very calm and quiet about it. I've had a lot of time to think... When I've sat alone here night after night. And those days on end when you've been away, attending to your business. And what has come out of all this thinking you've done? Just this, Ben. I'm not going on any longer. 
Either you belong to your family, or your family will get along without you. I have to rush, Nina. Uh, good night. Yeah, good night, then. It's good... Goodbye. Jimmy and I are leaving tonight. Look, I haven't time to talk about it with you now, Lena. Uh, oh, uh, by the way, this will probably take most of the night. Good night. Goodbye, Bennett. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I never had much of a chance to make it up to you, Lena. You've had all the chance you wanted, Ben. But Nina, I... I just dropped by to say hello and to give you a wish for happiness during the holidays. It's hard not to share with you the joy I have with Jimmy. I I wish you could see his eyes dance at Mr. Carter's Christmas parties. Unfortunately, on what little I make, we can't very well afford to have our Christmas at home, but somehow we don't miss it. Everybody has such a grand time at Mr. Carter's party and... Jimmy does enjoy every minute that he's there. Goodness, I'll have to be on my way. Jimmy's waiting for me, and I have to make one more stop for Mr. Carter. Good night, Ben, and Merry Christmas. Ah, this stuff doesn't taste like anything. Nothing at all. Understand what's got into me. It's good food, fixed the same as it always is. It just doesn't taste right, that's all. What's that? Someone at the door this time of the night? I'm coming, I'm coming. Hello, Ben. It's Fred Anderson. Glad I found you at home. I'm always at home this time of night. Yes, yes, I suppose you are, Ben. Uh, can I come in? Of course. I brought your package, Ben. Nick Carter sent me around with it. Said you'd probably be here alone tomorrow, and he'd like you to have it. Carter? What's Carter sending me? <laughs> you might open it and see, Ben. I'm no mind reader. <laughs> That's any reason why Carter would want to... What a port wine. That's your card. Merry Christmas from Nick Carter. What's the idea? You know anything about this, Fred? No, but uh, Nick Carter's a funny duck. There's lots of things people don't expect him to. Why, I don't even know the man. Only saw him once and then... Um, you want a glass of this wine, Fred? <laughs> don't mind if I do, Ben. Seems it's Christmas Eve. I don't mind at all. There's some glasses here somewhere. Say, how do you open this thing? Here, I'll do it for you, Ben. Yeah, that does it. Now, go ahead, you open it. Yes? Oh, yes, all right. Well, there. Ain't you drinking with me, Ben? Huh? Oh. Yes, I will. That's a ticket. <laughs> well, here, here's Merry Christmas for you, Ben. Mm. Yes, Merry Christmas. Well, have you been keeping yourself, Fred? Oh, I've been sort of working around Lincoln Hall since I was retired from the force. See. You know, while I was coming here tonight, I was thinking about those old days when I walked the beat. Funny, most folks call them the good old days, but I don't. You did all right in those times, didn't you? Oh, sure, I got along. I was just thinking about the different attitudes folks have nowadays toward being given a hand. They appreciate it more, it seems to me. Charity's still charity, Fred. That hasn't changed. Uh, I guess it's all in the point of view, Ben. I guess you haven't changed with the times. That night I met you near the bridge. I was sure you were going to see that you were headed in the wrong direction and wake up in time. Remember that night, Ben? Where's Christmas Eve? 
You just come from the arena. They've handed you your walking papers because you'd let them down. Merry Christmas, officer. Well, Merry Christmas to you, sir. Well, uh, uh, what are you doing out on a night like this, Ben? I thought you'd be up at the arena getting the New Year's fight lined up. What? Oh, it's you, Anderson. No, I'm not at the arena anymore. That's so. What happened? Uh, they decided tonight they'd rather have Davis take over my job. Fine Christmas present, that is. Well, uh, that's tough news, Ben. What you going to do now? I don't know. I can't seem to think straight. Oh, that's a crazy way for a man like you to talk. On a Christmas Eve, too? <laughs> Christmas Eve. That's never been anything but a jinx to me. First I get stuck with that no-good fighter all day. Then Nina leaves me and takes my son with her. And now Irina throws me out. Well, uh, maybe you better stop and find out what it is you're doing wrong, Ben. Maybe you're the one that's to blame, not Christmas Eve. They all take advantage of me. I made all the money I could for them. But I'm not going to do it anymore. Take it easy, Ben. Take it easy. You better go home and think it over. I have thought it over, Fred. And I know what the answer is. I'm going to make money for myself and nobody else. I'll show these people. I'll make so much money they'll come crawling to me on their knees. I won't have to ask for anybody's sympathy. You don't pay to think like that, Ben. You'll regret it. Now, look. I know that Bill Boynton, who runs the shoe store down on Elm Street, is looking for a man to buy in with him. Why don't Me you... work in a shoe store? Not in your life, Fred. I'm going after the big money. Big money. That's the only thing people understand, and I'm going to get it. Well, now you've got it, Ben. You're one of the richest men in town. And what's he got you? Why, I don't know. Ben, it's too bad you don't get around and see what nice people there are in the world. People like this Carter fellow, for instance. Uh, does a man good to know people like him? Makes you feel there really is a Santa Claus to see him bring the smiles to the kids' faces at those parties he gives down at Lincoln Hall. Oh, well, I'll be getting back there now, friend. I've got a big day tomorrow. I'm not as young as I used to be. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas to you, Ben. I'll tell Nina I saw you. She'll be at the party tomorrow with young Jimmy. Good night, Ben. Join the party. Well, for heaven's sake, so that's the man I've heard so much about. Well, you look scared to death, Nick. Look, Patsy, will you go over and make him welcome? Well, Good. Hello there, Merry Christmas. I'm Patsy Bowen. Oh. Won't you join us? How do you do? I hope I'm not. Do you mind if I just watch? Well, of course not. Come right in. I wanted to thank Mr. Carter for the gift he sent, and I. Nick's right over there near the tree. Come along. Uh, children seem to be enjoying themselves, don't they? They certainly do. There's Lieutenant Riley handing out the gifts there. 
Tommy Wilson with him, standing next to this girl. Uh, yes, I met Mr. Wilson. Little Lieutenant Riley, he's having as much fun as the children. So I see. Oh, there's a nice-looking boy there, Mr. Who, I mean, what's his name? Where? Oh, that one over there. Oh, that's Jimmy. He's a nice boy. His mother was a big jump to me in getting the refreshments ready. There she is over there on the far side of the hall with the table, see? Oh, yes. Her son. Yes. Yes, Nick. I see. Oh, Nick, we have a new guest. Oh, hello there, Mr. Rasper. Merry Christmas. Glad you could join us. Uh, thank you, Mr. Carter. I, I came to express my appreciation for the gift you sent me. I hardly know how to... nothing of it, Mr. Rasper. Your being here is thanks enough for me. Mr. Carter, uh, that little boy coming along the line there, Jimmy, I think his name is... Do you think I, I might give him... I mean, could I hand him his gift, do you think? Why, certainly. Riley! Mr. Rasper here wants to lend a hand. Can you use him? Sure thing, Nick. Come along, Mr. Rasper. Thank you, Mr. Carter. You just hand him these packages as they come along, Mr. Rasper. <laughs> and enjoy yourself, man. I will. Uh, there, little girl. Merry Christmas. Oh, thank you. Say, <laughs> she... She liked it, didn't she? Well, they all appreciate a little kindness, Mr. Rasper. Now, now, here's a gift for that little boy, dear. Oh. Hello. Jimmy? Here you are. And a Merry Christmas, son. Well, you really have to be in condition to keep up with these kids. Boy, they're wonders. Hey, where do they get all that energy? That will be one of the world's great mysteries forever, Scubby. Nick, what are you thinking so hard about? Hmm? Oh, I was I was just thinking of the way Mr. Rasper took to the party. Huh? Hey, don't you mean the way the party took to Mr. Rasper, Nick? Yeah, I never saw a man open up the way he did. Oh, it was wonderful. The children just flocked around him. That's one of the greatest jobs that Nick Carter ever did. What do you mean, Riley? Well, Patsy, you'll never believe it, but when Nick and I went to see Rasper to get a contribution to the party, he was the hardest case of unadulterated unpleasantness I ever saw. But somehow Nick managed to get under his skin and bring out, well, what she saw tonight. Well, for heaven's sake. How did you do it, Nick? Well, it wasn't difficult, Patsy. You see, I could see when we first spoke to Rasper that he was fighting something. But I didn't know what it was. But from what Riley, Scubby, and you told me, I found that three different times Christmas Eve had brought him bad luck. First, the fighter O'Day. Then Mrs. Rasper had left Rasper on a Christmas Eve, taking his son Jimmy with her. And third, he'd lost his promoter's connection at the arena, also on Christmas Eve. Well, the whole thing added up. Rasper associated Christmas Eve with a list of unfortunate incidents and fought anything that suggested the holidays to him. He made a lot of money, but it never brought him happiness. The big thing for me was to make him realize that people and Christmas meant good and not evil. And from what I saw this afternoon, the Rasper family and the whole neighborhood, for that matter, is going to benefit by his awakening to that realization. Oh, Nick, that's wonderful. You deserve a kiss for that. Oh, thanks, Patsy. I'm glad you feel that way, too. You know, I'm happier this evening because of Mr. Rasper than I would be if I'd solved 20 murders. He's made this a really merry Christmas for all of us.
has been another of the strange adventures of Nick Carter, Master Detective, which are brought to you regularly at this time by WOR Mutual. What's your story going to be about next time, Nick? It's a little different from the usual story, because it started out with Nick himself being the victim of a holdup. Yes, and the men who held me up turned out to be innocent after all. Sounds a trifle complicated to me. It was complicated, but interesting. And it gave me plenty of trouble before I found the solution. Including a sore throat that almost finished Nick Carter. A sore throat? Why should that be dangerous? Because it was the kind that you get from a rope around your neck. Hey, wait a minute. You mean... All the rest of the story you get two weeks from tonight. Not now. So long, everybody. So long. So long, both of you. In the strange adventure you have just heard, Nick Carter was impersonated by Lon Clark, Patsy by Helen Choate, and Scubby by John Kane. The story was written for Nick Carter by Humphrey Davis. Original music was played by Lou White. The entire production was under the direction of Jock McGregor. Two weeks from tonight, at the same time, listen to another curious experience of Nick Carter entitled... Stephen Smith Publications, Incorporated. The Return of Nick Carter is produced in the studios of WOR and is broadcast over most of these stations Monday evenings at 9.30 Eastern Wartime. This is Mutual. And we're back with Old Time Radio Essentials. This is Pat with Paul and Pete. Wow, three Ps in a podcast. And that was an episode of Nick Carter, Master Detective, originally broadcast on Mutual on Christmas Day, 1943. And now, Paul, since this was your pick, Please tell us why you chose this particular episode. I decided to go with Nick Carter because I've been a fan of his for years now, following Nick Carter closely. Uh, the master detective who's built like a brick stuff <laughs> and not very tall, but he's a sturdy little bugger, according to the, the dime novels. And um, <laughs> I just thought they were a very good radio program. I mean, I didn't I haven't listened to a whole lot of them yet, but. I enjoyed him, and I thought, you know what? We'll give Nick a shot for Christmas. So that's why. Okay. And not a shot in the leg or the arm or anything that would hurt. Good. Not this time, anyway. <laughs> well, groovy. So um, after listening to this, I, I applaud your choice. I think it's pretty good. Uh, first thing, you notice a few uh, parallels to uh, a, a very a favorite Christmas story which i won't name somebody else can say it but um you've got your miser and he's cranky and he doesn't like christmas and nick takes it upon himself to be a busybody and try to figure out why he doesn't like christmas and get him to come to the party that that he's hosting in some sort of poverty-stricken district of town. You take it from there and tell me, you know, what you think of the parallel to this other nameless story. Anybody? The Gold Combs, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> was it uh, Miracle on 34th Street? Uh... No, no, it was based <laughs> on a, a real guy in England who was well-known for his ways in Gloucester and certain writer whose name rhymes with chickens decided to write a story about him. Bill Pickens? What story did he write? Slim Pickens? Yeah. 
what if in you're the a wide, wide world of sports is it going on here? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to be the bad guy here and say probably what everyone's thinking, which is it's yet another one of those highly, highly derivative remakes involving somebody trying to hang a modern twist on the framework of Dickens' Christmas Carol. And there's been so, so many of these on so, so many shows, so, so many media since the original novel was written. Yeah, a few years um, ago, we did the six-shooter uh, yeah. version yeah. of Brit it. Yeah, Britt Ponsett. Yeah, Britt Ponsett with James. Now, Ponsett. in this one, I like to think I have a certain little imp that whispers inappropriate things in my ear. And besides whispering that, the imp also said, yeah, uh, what if the reason the guy doesn't like or celebrate Christmas is he's Jewish and everybody keeps trying to shove it down his throat and force him to celebrate? That's it what the imp be. says. Well, I mean, Rasper it is an interesting argument. Like it, his name is Rasper, and it does sound like it could be a Jewish name. Uh, not that I want to stereotype anybody, but... Yeah, um, as for the content of the story, yeah, it, it's typically soppy, as you would expect in this, but <laughs> it it does have a certain bit of awe... Uh, home time comfort and nostalgia and remember it was done during world war ii so people really wanted that kind of thing they wanted the reminder of this is how christmas was and it's going to be again after this war is over we miss our friends and family this kind of thing probably filled in for that as well if your friends and family are away and you can't see them maybe you will never see them again you don't know that's a real possibility Something like this is a panacea for that ache. Panacea. What it means like mean? a cure-all, a, a treatment, <laughs> a balm for the wounds, B-A-L-M for the wounds, things like I was, that. I was thinking Italian holiday bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give us some more of that a panacea. See, we're in the presence of somebody who's much smarter than we are, Paul. <laughs> no, you're in the presence of somebody who has to read when she's in the bathroom. She will read anything. I do too, but you know. It's not the sort of. Oh, that was some silence. Radio (laughs) (laughs) dead air. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, as far as this goes, I think the the uh, characters were well done. Uh, Really good uh, performances by everybody. Just a lightweight story, of course. You know, take Mm -hmm. on a Christmas Carol, Uh, but uh, it wasn't so tied to it because you know he's he's a guy who got involved with a boxer and he Mm -hmm. treated him poorly. He was married and he actually had a child and they left, they, they left him. And um, so not exact parallels to Scrooge, but uh, pretty close to show how you know, he was a bad guy and, and all these things happened to him around Christmas time. So he's sour on the holiday and that, that's, that's good. Uh, I noticed with this show, it's very tip. It's typical of a lot of old time radio shows where they mention the name of the person they're talking to quite a bit. Even yes. though they have distinctive voices, Nick will always say, well, Stubby, you know, Stubby, you know, is it Stubby or is it Scubby? I, I had trouble figuring out who, who his sidekick was, Stubby or Scubby, one or the other. But whenever somebody is talking to another person, they mention the other person's name quite a bit, mm-hmm. as if the audience isn't paying attention to you know, the conversation. Uh, and I've listened to a few of these Nick Carter episodes, and I noticed in some of them, Nick starts every sentence with the name of that other person. And it's like, oh, my God. I remember who he's talking to. They're, all, they're the only two people in the room. 
<laughs> and he he starts every sentence with the name of that other person. He must really <laughs> love them a lot because they say that to really bond with someone, you call them by their name. Is that right, Pat? Yes, it is. Pete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I see what happened there. I wanted to bond with you, but you just felt forced into <laughs> bonding with me. Okay. No, I'm just picture. a smart Alec. I get the picture. <laughs> the hell you mean I'm easily stunned? <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of the overall show? Anybody? It was what you would expect for the era. I mean, people's lives were kind of rough. They had the, the depression for 10 years or so. And what was your reward for making it through all that? Hey, let's ship you off to war. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and so all they wanted was to feel better. They they had enough crap on their minds. They weren't going to spend too much time thinking about it. So just it's essentially the audio version of the Hallmark channel. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Makes sense to me. It just is. It, people listen to it like, ah, when they got done, they just, hey, what did you think of that episode? Do you think he really should have gone around that left quarter and did, did the thing? No, they're just like, ah, ah, I feel good that I listened to that. Now we can move on with the rest of our life. Mm -hmm. And it was Christmas Day. So people were home and they had their radios on and they were only probably half listening. So it was right. important that they say the name of the character they're talking to over and over mm -hmm. and over again. And probably missing a whole bunch of people too, because, you know, as you said, family members are off at war. Heck, mm -hmm. I, I doubt that the, the wartime production would close factories on Christmas day. They were probably still going flat out. So maybe they couldn't even have a full Christmas dinner because you got a couple of family members who are in the factory, a couple of family members who are away at war. So I, there is an element of comfort in this, that everything worked out as it should. It was sweet. You reunited a family. And I think the idea of reunions would be on people's minds back then. They were longing for reunions. Can't argue with that. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I like it. It was just a little piece of fluff, but it was entertaining and perfect for the time of year. Mm -hmm. Perfect for the time of history. Okay, I like it. Of course, Nick didn't have much of an adventure. It wasn't real mystery. Uh, everybody he talked to seemed to know something about the guy. So that helped smooth things along. Mm -hmm. There were no dead ends. No dead bodies. That's right. Nobody died. Okay. So, yeah. Very good. I, I wonder if that was kind of like a, a big thing. Is that private detective show that didn't have a body? Well, for well, Christmas. You know. Yeah, exactly. For Christmas. I wonder if that was how out of the ordinary that was on on all the private detective ones or mystery ones. How what percentage of them have a body? Somebody has to die. I mean, it could be argued as well that the body is the empty soul of the miser. And the body is brought back to life by bringing him back amongst other people that could be argued bit of a long shot, but makes sense to me. I'll buy it. Okay. Very good. Very good. <laughs> hey, what the hell? Now I know that in Sherlock Holmes, very few people died in the Sherlock Holmes mysteries. It was usually some sort mm -hmm. of crime that had been committed that he had to solve. It wasn't always, uh, or hardly ever was it um, a murder mystery. So those were, 
Well, when you think about it, it's um, murder, she wrote. You kind of think, what is with these small towns? You know, if this woman is coming into your town, there's going to be a murder. Leave. (laughs) Just leave. Just leave. Yes. Come back when she's gone. Bad luck, Jessica. She's. Every they should have had the very up, last episode. Several people die. The very <laughs> last episode of that should have been her getting drunk and confessing that she killed <laughs> all of them and was so good at, at spinning a story <laughs> that she blamed him on all these other people <laughs> because <laughs> the cops are so stupid that they believed her. So all these other people are in jail for <laughs> the people she murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You should write that one, Paul. The, the lost. The lost <laughs> The Lost Seas series finale of Murder Show. <laughs> <laughs> Very hmm. good. That, okay, that'd be so, a good radio uh, parody. Yeah. yeah. Could be. Okay, so should we vote? <laughs> should we vote? I'm ready to vote. You ready? Yep. Yeah, what the heck? Okay, so what are we voting on, dear listener? Well, as a reminder, we're voting on one, whether this particular episode is a true representative installment for the overall series, and B, whether or not it is a standalone show that belongs in every Radio Aficionado's collection. And again, Paul, since this was your selection, you go first. Well, I enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it just like we were talking about just then. It was a nice piece of fluff that you threw out for the holiday season because, well, truthfully, you had more important things on your mind. And so it was just kind of like a time filler. It's not out there to... to, to you know, have you see life in a different way or have you have deep soul searching conversations? It was like, well, there went a half an hour and I kind of like that. Okay. You know, it's like, it was like jello. There's always room for jello. So <laughs> there's always room for Nick Carter. Exactly. <laughs> so that's, I'll give it a thumbs up. All right. So um, <laughs> I have no argument there. It's uh, uh, I hadn't really thought of it in terms of historical impact, but um Yes, I, I, I can see how um, folks sitting around the radio listening would just be halfway listening. Kids would be playing with their new toy trucks and girls with their new dolls and fathers sipping wine if they were home and mothers. Roma wine. <laughs> drinking their Roma wine and and, and, and adjusting the. The, the cut of their clipper craft clothes and, <laughs> and so on. But it was fun uh, to listen to uh, uh, this. And then those who know A Christmas Carol as well as, as I do uh, were probably listening at the time and said, okay, haha, that's Scrooge. And oh yeah, okay, well that's, that's his, uh, the woman he loved and she left him. And, okay, and that's why he doesn't like Christmas. And oh, 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 oh I'm invited to a God party. Bless and I us, show up. everyone. <laughs> there was no tiny tim that's for sure he didn't he didn't well there it. sort of was because just son i mean he when he walked out on his wife and kid his kid was just a baby and didn't know him so at the end he's reunited he asked to give the present to the little you know to the little kid, the kid and then acknowledges dialogue. him as his son so there sort of is a tiny tim figure there sort yeah, of like kinda. i said there were no direct parallels in, in, in terms yeah. of how how things happen but uh as far as um, what does it belong, I think if you have a collection of Christmas stories, then yeah, you would. But uh, I don't think this is uh, um, otherwise a knockdown, drag out show that has to belong in every radio aficionado's collection. Uh, whether or not it's a true representative installment, I've listened to a handful of Nick Carter 
uh, shows, and uh, this is the only Christmas show I've listened to. So I'd say because it's special for Christmas, it's not truly representative, but overall still enjoyable. And I'm done. Yeah, and I would agree with you too that it is a charming little bit of fluff. It means a whole lot more when you look at it from the historical angle and what people were going through then. Um, I think it was just what they needed. And maybe there are people now who would enjoy it just as a nice little bit of fluff, comforting, huge nostalgia wallop. Uh, It is definitely not representative of the overall series of Nick Carter. It, It simply isn't. Totally different kind of story, just totally different feel as well. Uh, Again, I would not say it belongs in everybody's radio collection unless they like this sort of thing, or maybe they're just a completist. They want every single episode that's available. But it's a nice way to kill half an hour. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it would fit well in a old-time radio Christmas collection, because I wouldn't doubt if, Mm -hmm. if we sat and listened to a whole buttload of the Christmas episodes of shows, especially around the wartime, that we would be getting a lot of fluff, you know, just things to yes. try and make you feel good to make you not feel quite as crappy as you probably do with the radio off, you mm-hmm. know, and all the other stuff going in your life. But I think if you got the wartime Christmas episodes, that it'd be a lot of, like I said, Hallmark channel type stuff, which there's nothing wrong with that sometimes. And I think every series uh, that was, that would think about it had, some kind of Christmas episode, um, especially the musical variety shows. Craft um, mm-hmm. Music Hall with Bing Crosby had a Christmas show every year. Bob Hope had a Christmas show every year. Burns and Allen, uh, Jack Benny, they all had Christmas. They had, Jack Benny would have several shows leading up to Christmas mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and the Christmas shopping ones were the best. Christmas I mean, shopping. nobody yeah. freaks out like Mel Blanc. <laughs> <laughs> and then Frank Nelson, yes. <laughs> uh, so all of them had. And and there'd be music and there'd be uh, uh, lots and lots of comedy related to Christmas. And it was just those were wonderful, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the dramas, sometimes they'd work and sometimes they'd fall flat. Uh, if they had an element of comedy to them, I think they worked better um, than um, the other ones. Like there's a shadow episode uh, that's Christmas related and it it. It doesn't do anything for me because it's just it's really sad. So mm. nobody wants to feel sad at Christmas. So yeah. So anyway, so let's recommend our favorite Christmas shows for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh Jack Benny Christmas shopping with the wallet. <laughs> well, even I can't TV, think. I mean, because I love Charlie Brown Christmas and yes. Frosty the Snowman, because Jack because uh, uh Jimmy Durante is the narrator yep. it was so great. Um, Fred Astaire with Santa Claus is coming to town. Um, the Rudolph with Burl Rudolph was all Ru- Canadian Rudolph actors. Was, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I actually talked to Billy Mae Richards. She used to live across the street from me. Um, Paul Souls, um, Alfie Scott, they both did voice. They both lived at the Performing Arts Lodge in Toronto. Mm. So it's was all CanCon. Was Paul Freeze Canadian? No, no, he was American. Because yeah, he was. The Burgermeister Meisterburger. Yes. <laughs> Santa Claus is coming to town. But yeah, I heard about that because uh, um, who played Yukon uh, Cornelius? Uh, that was, was Larry that? D. Mann. Okay. 
was my favorite. And he did commercials in Canada and the States. And he was Laser Wolf in the movie Fiddler on the Roof. Was he? Yeah, he was Laser Wolf. And La- and that movie was directed by Norman Jewison, who was Canadian, did a lot oh. of stuff at the CBC. Okay, good. And I love <laughs> um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original oh, of course. cartoon, Boris Karloff. All of these great shows that you can you can directly relate to radio because all of these people had either a radio show or there were regulars on radio. Um, mm-hmm. So with the exception of a Charlie Brown Christmas, but um, even so great shows. Yeah. Great shows. Okay. Um, so that's how it goes. We're, we're done with that. Um, I think we all agree that it was a, a pretty good episode that we present that Paul presented. So thanks for that, Paul. Yeah. Thanks. Um, this brings us to the end of episode 40, or if you live in a parallel universe, Univoice, episode three <laughs> of season four with Pat Rosebank, Paul Arbisi, and me, Pete Lutz. Next go round, it'll be my pick, and that's going to be an episode of The Henry Morgan Show. Yay! A comedy, series, a comedy series that is largely forgotten today, but one that I find to be hilarious. <laughs> And now, Pat, Paul, tell the masses what they need to know. Old Time Radio Essentials is a production of 63 Audio, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Subscribe on any podcatcher you may use by searching under Mutual Audio Network and or Narada Radio Company. Please follow us on The X at Essentials Old and join our Facebook group, Narada Radio Company Productions, to get updates on upcoming episodes of this show. Plus future audio dramas if you want to suggest an episode write us at f6.3 at gmail.com that's the letter f the number six the word point and the number three at gmail.com put the word essentials in the subject line and we're sorry you couldn't see the visuals on that because paul was doing some pantomime to show the numbers of the letters there. And he actually I keep, for, I keep forgetting we don't put the video on there. And he actually <laughs> pointed when he said the word point. Okay. Remember, folks, we're always happy to hear from our listeners. So please do send us feedback and suggestions. And if you didn't catch our email when Paul spelled it out, rewind and listen again, or just look for it in the show notes. Okay, I think we've wasted enough of these fine people's time, all two of them. So let's wrap things up, <laughs> hey? Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Polly. I hope you both have a wonderful Christmas. And please, dear listeners, join us again next time, won't you, for another fun installment of Old Time Radio Essentials. Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll see you next year. Bye-bye for now. Merry Christmas, Bye. everyone. Bye. Yeah, sixty three audio. This